0: Want you to think about this morning is what what is it that you are seeking for in your life? Here we have a moment to stop at the start of a week. What is it that you are actually seeking for in your life? All the hurly burly of life, what is it that you're going after? What what is it that you've been thinking about this past week? Well, have you been thinking about Europe, like our Prime Minister, who's been travelling around uh, speaking to heads of governments, trying to renegotiate the relationship of Britain with the European Union before possibly a referendum this year? Or have you been thinking about the economy? George Osborne gave a scary speech this week telling us that uh, the economic gloom is not over and there could be choppy waters ahead and the Chinese stock market had real problems this week. And Have you been thinking about that and how that impacts your business? Or maybe you've just been thinking about your personal finances and trying to work out how on earth are you going to pay off your, your credit cards after another binge this Christmas. Well, other people, maybe you, you've, you've headed back to school this week and you start to think those prelims are coming. Oh no, those prelims. How did, why did he mention that in church? And maybe you're sort of thinking about that. How on earth am I going to scrape some passes this summer? Or maybe you've been thinking about relationships. Maybe you've thinking about how to start a relationship. Or maybe you've been thinking about ending a relationship. I, I hear that the uh, divorce lawyers are very busy in January. There's a 25% increase in inquiries post-Christmas. Or maybe like me, you've been thinking about losing weight. Uh, I've noticed a tendency that I have to keep going to the shop to buy more trousers with a bigger waistline and my wife has suggested that there may be another way another approach <laughs> and so i bought some scales that purport to tell me not only my weight but it sends a current through my feet it tells me how much my bones weigh and how much my muscle weighs and and uh, and all sorts of facts like that and well watch this space <laughs> that's a disturbing thought It's a good question to ask, though, not just for us as a church. What are we seeking after? What are we thinking about? But for us as a church, what what are we seeking for as a church? What has been dominating our thoughts? What's been occupying us? Well, what does God have to say about this? Well, please open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We've been working through the book of Colossians. Colossians. And we come to um, Colossians chapter 3 this morning. You'll find that on page 1184 in the church Bibles. If you don't have a Bible with you, just take one of these red Bibles and uh, open it up to page 1184. We're just going to consider these first four verses of Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. We're kind of at the turning point in the letter. Uh, From chapter 3 onwards, the focus moves to really what does living the Christian life look like? Paul has addressed some uh, bogus options in the previous chapter. Uh, There have been people saying, look, this is the way that you are to live a spiritual life. And they've offered lots of false solutions. Uh, Some have gone the way of um, ceremonies or religious activities. Some people love religious festivals, robes, choirs, priests, incense. Or there are those who teach that it's about visions and and pursuing sort of ecstatic experiences. to, To pursue getting the emotional buzz to get an overwhelming, transcendent experience, that that's what true spirituality is about. Other people teach that it's about asceticism, that the problem is the physical world. And so, actually, we need to set up rules where we, where we say, don't do this, don't do that, don't touch this, don't do that, and escape from the material world and, and deny ourselves, and then we will transcend into a higher plane. And it can appear all very wise, very spiritual, but actually Paul has taught that it is all a total waste of time. All those approaches it 's deceptive philosophy it 's one that depends on human tradition and the worldly principles uh, rather than using anything that uh, is going to help us in fact, it, it will not help us at all. it will make no lasting changes in our lives and so, having taught the the, the false approach, he then moves in chapter three very Positively, to, true, to teach what true spirituality looks like. What does the Christian life look like? What is spirituality according to God? And it's fascinating, we're going to discover over the coming weeks as we read through these chapters that actually he focuses in on our relationships. Um, how we relate together in this church is part of true spirituality how we relate in our homes to our to our spouses to our children how we relate in the workplace to our bosses to those who uh, uh, we work for, or if we own the company, how we relate to our employees, that this is true spirituality, that this is what God is concerned about, how we relate to those who are not Christians, and, and Paul is going to teach about all those areas. But before we get to those different relationships, there is one vital relationship that we must get absolutely crystal clear, and it is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Here is the one relationship That empowers all of the rest of the Christian life. Without this, we're just kidding ourselves. Without this, we're just playing at being Christians. This is what is central, this is what is vital, this is what we need to be absolutely clear about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about rules, the Christian life. It is about relationship with him. And that's what we're going to think about in these verses. This is what we must understand and uh, enjoy, that we are united with Christ. United with Christ. Verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. Before we rush on, just think how extraordinary those words are. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Are you a Christian here this morning? That is to say, have you repented of your sin? And have you put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? That's what a Christian is. Are you a Christian this morning? If you've done that, if you've repented and put your trust in Christ, then know this. Some incredible things have happened in your life. Some incredible changes have come about. Paul has taught us about them. If you look back at chapter 1 and uh, verse 13. You've been rescued, redeemed and forgiven. Look at verse 13 of chapter 1. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You've been reconciled to God through the blood of Christ. Christ shed on the cross look at verse 21 once you were not once you were alienated from god and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight but even more than that paul wants us to understand that since we have trusted christ Our lives are so intertwined and interconnected with Christ that we have fundamentally changed. This is something that the theologians call union with Christ. It is just the most glorious doctrine when we begin to understand it. Here are some facts. Here's the big story of history. Jesus Christ died upon a cross. His corpse was buried and he was truly, physically raised from the dead. These are the, this is the, the biggest story of history. This is the ultimate story of history. And uh, if, it's, if it's not true then Christianity is just a load of rubbish and a waste of time. It is true, so therefore there is a great reason for hope in a world of suffering and pain. Christians are people who've united the story of their lives with this big story of Christ. And so when we trust Jesus as Lord, then what happened to Christ has happened to us. Look back at chapter 2, verse 20. Since you died with Christ. So he's writing to his Christians in Colossae. They've trusted Christ. He wants to know this. You died with Christ. And since they died with Christ, certain things follow. And then chapter 3, verse 1, we just read it. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Here is something that is fundamentally true of you if you're a Christian here today. You died with Christ... And you were raised with Christ. There's no human analogy that really gets close to what is being spoken of here. But I suppose the Bible does give us a little picture of it in marriage. What's the ideal of marriage? Well, it is that there's a day when before God and other witnesses, a man and a woman... um, promise an exclusive, lifelong, loving commitment to join their lives together. And they say things like this, all that I am, all that I have, I give to you. And they smile at each other as they say this. Now in the case of Shona and myself, uh, that included me sharing with her the debt of my car loan. i, I let go that out of the way soon. My wife's relieved of that. A wee tester. there's plenty more where that came from. But, you know, so what I promised to give her was my car loan because I I owed debt and she owned it. It was a wonderful thing. But actually, you know, because of our sinful rebellion against God, we are indebted to God and deserving of death. We bring nothing to this relationship with Christ but our sin, guilt and shame. And incredibly, as we trust Christ and our lives are united with him, he takes upon himself our indebtedness. And he bears the penalty for our sins. So that his death is counted as my death. He pays the penalty for my sins. So that all that indebtedness is cleared and we are forgiven of all our sins. We died with Christ's death. See the only thing ahead for the believer might be physical death, not spiritual death. For we will be with Christ forever. The separation from God that is eternal, that is the ultimate death that our sins bring. Well, Christ's death is my death. He's dealt with it, and more than that, my union with Christ is not merely in His death, but also in His resurrection. As He rose from the dead into everlasting life, well, so the Christian is also raised in His resurrection. The old life has gone. There is there is a brand new life, the life of the resurrected Christ. In the life of the believer. So there's new resources at work. There's new power. There's new energy. There's new direction. There's new hope. There's new everything because of Christ. And before we start thinking about, okay, how are we going to make changes in our lives? Uh, How are we going to put strategies in place to help us live the Christian life? Then actually we have to start Further back than that, here is the ultimate fundamental truth that should shape everything. You died with Christ and you have been raised with Christ. Your life now is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need to grasp. Now our problem as Christians is that we fail to realize and appropriate the full blessings of these these remarkable truths, these remarkable facts. And so instead we just go about getting absorbed in the thoughts of everyone else around us who only kind of have the limited resources and interests of this world. It's just so easy, isn't it? When the alarm goes off on a Monday morning, you roll out of bed and before you know it, you're having your breakfast, pushing out into the day and you're just like everybody else in the city. You're just thinking about the concerns that everybody else has in the city. Uh, your, your thoughts and your time are dominated by the fears, and the anxieties, the excitements of what's in the news, what's on Facebook. And, and you allow this world just to, we allow this world just to shape what we think. We allow this world just to shape what we do to shape what we should desire, what we should go after, to set the agenda for our life, to, to chase after things that it says will, will give us meaning and purpose and make us fulfilled. And it's so easy just to get up on the next morning and, and just rush into all of that and be shaped by it all. And so there are two commands that precede all this practical stuff that's going to follow in this letter. And the first, is, uh, first one is in the second half of verse 1. So my second point this morning, set your hearts on things above. Look at verse 1 again, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So here's the deepest truth about the Christian. They are united with Christ, raised with Christ. But for that to be experienced and enjoyed at its deepest truth in our lives requires us to keep seeking Christ. Christianity is not about rules. It's rooted in this relationship. The strength to follow the commands of Christ, the uh, ability to persevere through suffering, The the way to keep going, to have the desire to serve in ministry of others, to, to witness to others, could never ultimately come from us. It comes empowered by Jesus himself. This is what Paul wrote about for his own ministry. If you look back at chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, this is his experience. What's his role in the world? Well, he says this, we proclaim Him, Christ, we proclaim Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Look at this, verse 29, to this end I labor, it's the word is of hard strenuous work, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully Works in me. What keeps Paul going in the hard work of of, of teaching and preaching Christ and helping people to trust Christ and persevere in Christ? What keeps him at it, even despite all the sufferings and the beatings and the hardships? Well, it's only this the life of the risen Lord Jesus Christ within him, sustaining him, keeping him. That's what keeps him at it. And so it is, not just for apostles, but for every Christian. The Christian life is lived by seeking to live your life in conscious dependence upon Jesus. In reliance upon Him. In delighting in Him. He who is seated at the right hand of God. That's the place of all power and authority. Psalm 110, we read it earlier. Uh, the Lord said to my lords. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. What's Christ doing? He is Lord of all. And uh, there is a day coming when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And we who have realized that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are to bring our lives under his lordship and look to him for the empowering grace that we need to, to submit our lives to him day by day, to live for him. Seek Christ. Set your hearts on Him. When you have nothing to think about, what do you think about? Well, my Christian friends, I want to encourage you to cultivate when you have nothing else to think about that what you find yourself thinking about is Christ. Build into your life different ways that will spur you to turn your thoughts and prayers to Christ. Now you can be married, but not enjoy your marriage. Happy marriages uh, are ones where two people seek to, in little ways, all throughout the day and the week, connect with each other. Express love, affection, care, a willingness to serve each other. And as a Christian, you are united with Jesus Christ, but whether you will enjoy that and delight in that relationship really will depend to the degree with which you, you bring your thoughts to bear upon the reality of Christ. What are some of the practical ways that we can set our minds on things above? This command, you've got to do something. What, what are some of the ways you can to set your um your thinking, your, your, your desires, your affections upon Christ, well, start the week with Christ. There's, there's no rules how to do this, but many Christians find this helpful. Start the week with Christ. Uh, it's corporate. Have you noticed that? Set your hearts. How many hearts have you got? I've just got the one, I don't know about you, but actually, actually this is addressed to the whole church. This is something we do together. Set your hearts on things above and we can help each other. This is part of the great blessing of attending church on a Sunday, isn't it? At the start of the week that we gather with other people so that we sing hymns in praise of Christ. We hear the word of God. We pray to him together. And together we kind of encourage each other to focus our attentions upon Christ at the start of every week. Start the week with Christ. Um, what a blessing this is, isn't it? I've uh, been spending time with my good friends, uh, Carrie and Tricia Hughes. We passed it together in Spokane, and we've been thinking about some of the people we knew from, he still knows them, but uh, when I was there, the, the guys that were in our church back then, and some are going great, some are really pressing on, but sadly we were thinking about some people who are no longer following Christ. Some people have broken up their marriages, causing pain and chaos with their children. And it's quite fascinating that often, one of the things that preceded that is that they basically sort of said, Oh, we don't need church in our lives. They walked away from this blessing of gathering every week. And like a, like a piece of coal removed from a fire, we will become cool towards Christ this is such a great blessing. Don't miss out on this year ahead to, to uh, set your hearts on things above by starting the week with Christ. Why don't you start the day with Christ? Again, there's no rules about it. This is not about rules, but most Christians down the years have found it really helpful just to get up a little bit earlier and to direct their thoughts to Christ by just reading a bit of the Bible and in prayer coming to Christ, committing their day before him. Uh, You'll find on the stairwells, little Robert Murray McShane reading plans. Uh, If you've got lots of time, we will give you four chapters. You can just do two chapters. Why don't you say, well, this year I'm going to read a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening. If that feels too much to you, just read one of them. Just pick a chapter. And as you read it, why don't you ask yourself these questions. What does it teach me about God? What does it teach me about me? How does this point me to Jesus and the gospel? And as you read that chapter, why don't you look for just one verse that just grabs your heart, that grabs your attention, that, that you can turn in prayer and direct it to the Lord. And, and if you sense the Lord Jesus speaking directly to you into a particular context, his word bearing on it, why don't you write it down in a little book? If you were here on Test Me Sunday, we had a little video of Natasha Black talking about what she loves to do. When she finds a verse she loves, she writes it in a little book. I shouldn't do Russian accents she writes it in a book and so when she get discouraged she pulls out that book and she reads and reminds herself the way that God has spoken to in the past those precious well why don't you build up a little treasure trove of the ways that the Lord Jesus Christ has been directly connecting with your life do you know what he loves you he gave himself for you it's not just corporate he cares about each one of you and you can have a meaningful walk with Christ day by day you can start the day with Jesus it's a command. Set your minds on things above. You don't have to do it that way. Find your other way of doing it. But do something that will set your mind, set your hearts on things above. Uh, why don't you start every meal with, Jesus? Um, before you, I, I don't know about you, I do it about two or three times a day. Sometimes I snack a bit more, but Mrs. Reese has told me that that's not the way to go. What a great thing! This is why saying grace is a great habit. To, before you have your meal, thank the Lord that you've got food. Thank the Lord you had enough strength to go to work and earn some money, or that you, that you have the wherewithal to buy this. Thank the Lord that He sent the sun and the rain, so the stuff grew, so that you could eat this food. Start every meal with Christ. You know your Heavenly Father cares for the birds of the air. How much more He cares for you, and He's given you food. Jesus told the church and later Laodicea this, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The Christian never has to eat alone. You can, you can invite Jesus to join you in fellowship with him over your sandwich. Isn't that wonderful? Now, there's actually loads of ways that we can set our minds on things above. Maybe uh, you could use Facebook to share how you find it helpful just to in the middle of your work day to direct your thoughts to Christ. You could share them during the week. It would be interesting to see what you do. There's just some ways. Start the week with Christ. Start the day with Christ. Start your meal with Christ. Just build into your life ways that you set your, your affections, that you seek after Christ. Who is seated at God's right hand? But there is a link to come. Oh well, well. Before we go further, how can we do that as a church? I know. Let's have a week of prayer. We're going to have one like that. Isn't that amazing? That's what we're doing at the start of this year as a church. We want to seek Christ, to set our set our hearts on things above, and to gather each each night this week. And use this week to spur us to seek his presence as a church, to, to seek uh, his grace. We can't do church this year without Christ. That was the problem with Laodicea, they'd kind of forgotten that Jesus was outside the building. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm at the door of your church, will you let me in? I'd love to have fellowship with you church. And really, the week of prayer for us is to say, we're throwing the doors open, Say, Lord Jesus, we want you. Come, meet with us. Teach us, shape us, work through us for your glory. So set your hearts. Second one, set your minds on things above. Verse 2 and 3. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Some human marriages uh, transfer more than student debt and car loans. So a girl from a family with no titles or honors can meet a boy who happens to be a prince at university and her life can radically change. She gets a whole new life as a, as a duchess. She gets access to a lot of extra bling. Uh, quite a few more houses, a few palaces... <laughs> lands, tiaras, clothes, banquets, and one day she might even become the queen of Great Britain and the Commonwealth of Nations. How much do you think um, those facts have shaped the thoughts and actions of Kate Middleton? Totally, I would suggest. Now, there's a new set of facts for the Christian that, believe it or not, are better than those for Kate Middleton. And these should shape our thoughts and actions There are at least four things here in verse 3 that we should think about. Look at verse 3 again. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So four quick things from these two verses. Truths about you if you're a Christian here today. You died. Your life is now hidden with Christ. Christ is your life. And when Christ appears, you will appear with him in glory. See, the person of Jesus Christ, our relationship with him, means that these these facts will enable us to fulfill the commands that are going to come. See, look, next verse, verse 5, we're going to be commanded to put stuff off and put stuff on. Put to death, verse 5, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Verse 8, rid yourselves of all such things, such as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Verse 12, instead... um, Is it verse 12? Yeah, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly have clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility. So stuff to put off, stuff to put on. But these... Facts about who we are now from verse 3 and 4 are what we need to, to grasp in our thinking if we're going to engage in these activities of putting off and putting on. So when the Christian woman who feels uh, so lonely that she's tempted to kind of dress provocatively or go to the clubs, drink too much and hook up with a stranger or when a Christian man feels the pull of lust to go uh, to the internet for pornography Or or the Christian banker sees a way that they can make a a bigger bonus by a shady deal. It is at those points of temptation that we need to apply these truths to these unwanted desires. I need to remind myself, you died. Remember the reason for which Christ died was because uh, these things you want to engage in were were the things that made you an enemy of God, that put you under the wrath of God. That would separate you from God from all eternity. But Christ died for you. And when he died, you died. So that your old life, the the way that you used to live in that way, it's over. It's gone. You're you're dead to that that way of life. And when your mind starts rationalizing, well, you know, no one else is going to know. Well, that's not true. Remember this. Christ is with you. Your life is hidden with Christ. And when you feel the powerless against the temptation and and it seems so overwhelming to give in to whatever that thing that you're being tempted to do, whether it's greed or or sinful anger or, or whatever it is that is pressing in on you, it seems so overwhelming. And you think, I've got to give in to it. I've got to give in to it. I don't have the resources. Remember, you're not relying just on your own resources. Christ is your life. We sang this earlier. Crown him as your captain in temptation's hour. Let his world enfold you in his light and power. Do you see that? That's what it means to set your minds on things above, set your hearts on Christ. At that moment of temptation, decide who is Lord. Are you Lord or is Christ Lord? Crown him as your captain. In temptations are, let his will, his plan enfold you in its light and in his, his power. And, and the thought comes, well, you only live once and, and life is running out and you'll never amount to anything. So you might as well just go for this thing that promises you to offer life. Well, remember this, when Christ appears, you will also appear with him in Glory. Walking down the street, Princess Street, I don't know who the Christians are, who they're not. Uh, there's a sense in which this amazing supernatural reality that we died with Christ, that we raised with Christ, are actually where God's glorious people. It's hidden. It's hidden. But in the same way that there, if, if, if there was a day when uh, um, William is crowned King of England, then the Duchess will appear as the Queen in, in all her gowns and crowns and all the rest of it. She'll appear in glory when he appears in glory. Well the truth is when Christ appears in glory we will be revealed to be glorious and it'll all be worth it. These are facts for you as a Christian that you need to set your minds upon and draw upon the resources of Christ and this is how you live your life with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. There's a wonderful little chorus. I invite you to sing it along with me. Sing it twice and then we're going to sing a closing hymn. I invite you to use this song just to fix your gaze upon him. Turn your eyes